Hi, this is Shauna, the CEO and founder of Fuel Talent. One of the things I have loved most in my 25-year recruiting career has always been the stories that people tell. Stories of leadership, career choices, company ideas, and team building. My inspiration for starting the What Fuels You podcast came from being curious about people's lives and wanting to help share their stories. What path brought them to this place? What decisions did they make that led to failures and successes? Who influenced those decisions and what lessons were learned along the way? I hope you enjoy the What Fuels You podcast. Andy Liu, today's guest on the What Fuels You podcast, is no stranger to entrepreneurship. Andy started two companies back to back, his first company, Net Conversions, at age 23. His second company, Buddy TV, an entertainment-based website which generated content about television programs and sporting events, sold to Vizio. Now Andy is co-founder and managing partner at Unlock Venture Partners and the founder of a nonprofit focused on improving the lives of those in developing countries through technical training. He is also a well-known influencer in the Seattle tech community, husband and father. Welcome, Andy. Thanks, Shauna. Thanks Great for coming. I'm so glad that you're here. Okay, we're starting with rapid fire. Okay. It's very specific to you, so here All we right. go. Poker or ping pong? Uh, poker. <laughs> Favorite workout? Uh, Seven-minute workout. Don't you mean times three? <laughs> times three, that's you right. You do it three times, Andy. Most valuable trait you look for in an entrepreneur? Grit. I like that. Clearly, you've been asked that before. Best city for late-night partying? Uh, New York City. I agree. Biggest fear? Uh, uh, Biggest fear? Um, Falling out of a building. Oh, geez. You have a fear of heights? No, but falling out of a building is is a big fear. I thought you were going to say something like (laughs) complacency (laughs) or something, because I feel like you're always moving. (laughs) Yes. Like metaphorically and literally. Yep. (laughs) I feel like you're just like an on-the-go person. So I thought that's what you'd say. Okay. So um, where are you from? Uh, I am born and raised in Seattle. Born and so, raised in so Seattle. So one of the native, uh, old natives of Seattle. Nice. I yeah. like that we both have that in common. And how do you feel about Seattle today versus how you felt as a child? Uh, it's this- changed a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was pretty sleepy growing up. You know, there's there's a, a few big employers in town and now it's just changed dramatically. So yeah. so it's been fun to be a part of that ride and, and watch it happen. Yeah. I love it. It's been yeah. super fun. And so um, so you're raised here and you are, you have siblings? I have a younger sister. Cool. Is yeah. she like techie also? She is in the nonprofit sector. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, Saving yeah. the world. That's right. That's right. I like it. What was the focus or kind of the values of your, if you had to pull them out, like your parents? So, said, what did they value the most? Yeah, so they were immigrants. So, um, you know, born in China, moved to Taiwan during the revolution, came to Seattle to study at the University of Washington where they met. Um, and so, so definitely had to kind of build something from the ground up. And so... Uh, my dad uh, was entrepreneurial and and uh, started some companies, so I got to see the ups and downs and uh, high variance, I would say, in in uh, growing up. But um, really, really um, uh, inspiring at the same time. And so, yeah. so I think that's where I kind of got my first taste of entrepreneurship. Yeah, um, and I almost feel like that yeah. could make you fearless because if somebody that you've watched and who's been ahead of you has succeeded and failed, it almost gives you permission that that's okay. Right, 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 right. right. You're like, yeah. it's not like, uh, what if I don't succeed? Because right. you've seen like, this, this is just how it is. Yeah, absolutely. So did they want you to pick something kind of more stable? Um, 
you know what was interesting is I grew up pretty fast, and so you know during during some of the the more challenging times of of building a business from uh, from my family's past was was that uh, you know I was often thrust into working earlier uh, than than most folks. So mm-hmm. I started working full time around fifteen sixteen, and what were you lo- doing? Uh, worked in a variety of jobs. First one was in a pizza joint, nice. uh, and then and then moved to AT and T and worked there. Uh, Doing relay operating and um, what is that? Re- relay operators is is working with kind of the the hard of hearing um, oh. and being able to to translate between a hearing person and a hard of hearing person. Okay. And so um, so you're kind of the middleman, and so you Got have it. to type fast and and also be able to to um, add and inject a, the ability to to read conversations in between. And what yeah. else did you do? Uh, then then I moved to um, some some smaller companies. So I, I went to Boeing, went to a startup called Safeware. So mm-hmm. yeah, a variety of, variety of uh, different types of companies. When you say you grew up fast, like how come? Uh, you know, I think when, when most kids were probably playing sports and, and uh, you know, hanging out and so forth, I was um, working. And mm-hmm. um, because you're raised in a family that valued work, or because they needed the money, or yeah, you we liked ha- it. Yeah, we had some some financial challenges, and so yeah, I did did uh, uh, ended up working pretty hard um, mm-hmm. early on. And, and did so, your sister work also? She did not. I think she was definitely like the kind of the artist um, in in the family, and kind mm-hmm. of the the more. Um, uh, I think had a bigger heart, that sort of thing, and I was definitely like, "Hey, um, I think I'm capable of uh, generating income." So that's yeah. kind of where 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 I ended up. Yeah. When did you first realize, like, I think I've got the entrepreneurial bug? Um, I got the bug pretty early. I, you know, I think um, kind of a funny story growing up was, you know, I I felt like. Uh, my parents would invite friends over to the home, and I found that um, that's a great opportunity to learn how to sell. And so I'd literally put everything on sale inside the home and embarrass my parents, but I, that's how I would make money and realize. That is so awesome. It was my, actually, I don't yeah. know. I know I introduced you to my brother, but yeah. he was similar. So oh, coming yeah. over, my parents' friends would like park the car, go in for dinner. They'd come out and be <laughs> like, I right. washed your car. Right, right, right. You yeah. know, or yeah. hey, I went. your car needed some gas. I moved it, and it needed some gas. Went and, went and filled it up. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And it, and, and it was a hundred percent margin. So, you know, it was fantastic. So it was a good business. Your parents didn't take a percentage. They're like, hello, <laughs> that's, that's right. actually ours. Yep. Yep. That is so funny. I know I love how our kids think everything's theirs. I'm like, it's actually ours. That's right. And so was yep. education a big, um, I know that you're highly educated and, um, obviously brilliant. And so mm-hmm. was that a focus? I, you know, um, I did not get pushed hard from my family on, on education. I was always self-motivated. And I think part of it was because I didn't need to sleep much. I learned that pretty early, and so besides working, I could do pretty well. How in much school. sleep do you get? Uh, before trying to sleep hack, I was yeah. probably averaging four to five hours somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah. And so I know that you wear your um, what's the ring called? I'm, I'm using Aura Ring. Now. The Aura Ring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and now you're getting what? Uh, I'm trying to push eight to nine. And yeah. are you doing it? Uh, I, I would say I'm probably fifty fifty. And so. does it give you like a percentage of quality? Yes. So where are yeah, you yeah. at? Uh, it, again, depends. Fifty-fifty. I would say most of the time I'm trying to push for like the high end of high quality sleep, and I'd say three or four days a week I'm getting that. Nice. And yeah. does it make a difference? Oh, massive. Yeah, I, I had no idea that um, yeah. the the impact it would make. I will say it's made. Had I known this earlier, I would have slept more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It I really makes sleep. a huge, huge difference. And I was fine. Like I felt like I was able to make good decisions, being yeah. being able to 
to it's operate probably, and so It's forth. probably impacting your uh, drinking if you're going out because you're like, yeah, yeah, when you look at it in the morning, you're like, I got a 70% <laughs> or 7 out of 10. That's right. That's right. right. Yep. Yeah. So um, so you went to SPU here and yes. studied electrical engineering. Yes. That's so hardcore. Yeah. Like, yeah. How did you, what is that exactly? Uh, Electrical engineering. Right, right. Yeah, I, well, it's hard for me to figure it out. But what I did learn about myself was, was yeah, I could, I could pass the test, but I knew that long term I was not the best at electrical engineering. So this yeah. is, this is, were like, you interested in it? I was interested in the sense that um, it had a lot of intellectual um, um, requirements in terms of math and, and uh, sciences and all that, which I was fine at. But I wasn't the best at it. So, mm-hmm. um, but but it was enjoyable to learn technical skills, and so I feel like uh, it's given me the the ability to be able to talk uh, with engineers and be able to to get what I want out of um, out of engineering. Oh, for sure. Uh, but but uh, also <laughs> learned a lot about you know where I wanted to go in terms of my career, and so yeah, um, pretty quickly realized that I wanted to move into business and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And yeah. did you go straight from undergrad to get your MBA at Wharton, or did you work in between there? I, I worked for one year in between. And what doing yeah. what? Uh, at that time, I was at a um, kind of a, a later stage startup called Active Voice, hmm. uh, and they were in the the voicemail. Uh, can you imagine old that? school in the voicemail uh, um, product category? And they eventually sold to Cisco. So, it was but progressive a, it was at the time. Yes, yeah, you they were voicemail? they were cutting edge, cutting edge voicemail. Like go into your email box and so forth. So yeah, yeah. And yeah. so you knew that you wanted to go into business. Yes, um, ideally something in tech. And, I mean, you picked the best of the best business school, Wharton. Mm-hmm. Um, was that your top school, your top choice? Oh, it was funny. I, um, I I had never even visited Wharton. I just had read a magazine that yeah. had the rankings and said, I, I want to go there. And so so I applied and, and uh, was fortunate to get in. And also, I always wanted to go to the East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I had the chance to do it on undergrad, but chose not to. Um, but but um, but was very excited about going to the East Coast and checking that out, and had yeah. the best of the time, best that's, time there. That's yeah. awesome. And so, if you were giving advice to um, you know a twenty two year old, would you tell them to go back and get an MBA? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, like, have you uh, applied it? Yeah. Well, I would say I would say if you have clarity of where you want to go, then business school is is a great great um, stepping stone to help you get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have that clarity, like there there are a lot of folks who are like, I don't know what I want to do, but hopefully business school will help me get there. Mm-hmm. I feel like you you're probably shortchanging yourself. And so I knew before going in there, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I felt like. Hey, I'm going to use those two years to mm-hmm. well. Some hone people my use skills. it for, from a pedigree perspective too to make themselves more attractive as a candidate. And you didn't really need that because you're like, I'm going right. to work for myself. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So yep. interesting. And then also a lot of the people that I've met with their MBA, especially from like a Wharton type of school, are in investment banking mm-hmm. or, right. or you know consulting. financial services or right. consulting or yep. some of the kind of more traditional yep. routes. Yep. And that's um, a great way to kind of get it, get a foot in the door. So you you know yeah. the, uh, those those firms are interviewing at, yeah. at Wharton and Stanford well, and, and also so people forth. have said that it's been great for them as far as building their network yes. because you're meeting other people who are like minded and driven and absolutely. Um, has that helped in your entrepreneurial endeavors? Uh, definitely for so my first company I actually started at Wharton. So okay. so yeah, I was sitting in the back of a classroom listening to a marketing professor give a talk on his research, and I approached him after class to ask him if he'd considered 
commercializing that research? And he said, no. And so I said, hey, how about I try to commercialize your research? And he said, sure, why not? So that started Net Conversions. And okay. so, yeah. And so who's your co founder of Net Conversions? Uh, so uh, at that time, I started the company with um, David New. Okay. And so, so he was a classmate of mine at Wharton. And so that's, that's when we, we got started. I, I actually, during the break, went back to Seattle and raised capital from uh, Seattle. And Just in back. and out? You're like, hey, it's me. I need to raise a little capital. Yeah, yeah. And then- That's um, great. How'd you come up with the name? Uh, Net Conversions? Um, wow, that was a long time ago. I, can't, um, I think it was available on .com. Yeah. Because nowadays yeah. it's like to get the name is- It's challenging. It's challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. cool names of your companies that you started. So Net Conversions. So how long was that company around and where did it begin and where did it end? Yeah, yeah. So we started it in 99. Uh, so right at the kind of the tech boom. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I think I was really naive starting mm-hmm. the company because, you know, I feel like I was learning a ton from reading TechCrunch and Fortune Magazine and Wired and so forth. And how hard is it to, you know, start a company? How hard is it to raise money? Turns out very hard. Yeah. So, but how yeah. valuable for you now as, a, as an investor, which we can, we're going to get to, but yeah. right, that you've been yeah. an operator and you've been through it? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, that's one of the things I, I would say is a, is a, is a great learning is it's not easy. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, part of it is, is being able to evaluate an entrepreneur that, that understands it's not easy, but will enjoy mm-hmm. that journey. Yeah. But also realize, hey, you know, it's going to take serious crit, serious persistence. Um, and just the stomach yeah. for it. That's like, right. Do I even That's have right. the stomach for this? Yeah. The variance is too yeah. high. And it may never pay off. And, and it so, may never yeah. pay off. Right, right. And so how did you go about, was there a process or I guess at the time you were young and as you said, naive, how did you go about finding a co-founder? Were there skill sets or was it just trusting your gut on the human being that you, you know, on David? Yeah. Um, I, I think, again, it was a little bit naive. So so part of it is actually a, a bonus, I think, because you don't know what you don't know. And yeah. so you might as well just do it and yeah. then learn. So so we don't, we're not stuck in analysis paralysis. So, so, um, I felt David was a great partner because he came from a consulting background Mm -hmm. and I came from an engineering background. How about let's combine and, and work together and Mm -hmm. try to have a couple of new perspectives. And so, um, that's one that I would definitely carry is, is, is just making sure, you know, kind of self-awareness of what your strengths and weaknesses are. And Mm -hmm. can you offset that with a co-founder that has strengths and weaknesses in other areas? So that that um, seems very important. And then also maybe, your work styles, your work ethics, your communication styles. Yeah. Also, are we going in the right direct, the same direction? Do we want the same things? That's right. That's um, right. So that was good and lucky. Yeah, very lucky. In fact, um, you know, when we make decisions on investing, we really like co-founders have worked together in the past. Of course. Because, um, you know, I, I ended up starting uh, my second company with David, too, and it turned out great because we knew kind of our mannerisms, yeah. how we work together, good, how do bad, we convert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. Um, and I think that's probably one of the most uh, critical factors of success is, yeah. is having that sort of rapport, long-term rapport with a co-founder. And yeah. we were just fortunate that we didn't know each other long, but, you know, kind of being at business school at the same time, that, that kind of helped too. Right. Yeah. And how, and is he from Seattle? Uh, he's from Texas. So you just yeah. kind of said, hey, dude, come to Seattle. We're going to start this company here. Yeah. We actually met at uh, Welcome Weekend and kind of um, um, got to know each other then. And then, yeah. And then when we decided to move the company, I had a little bit more of a 
network here with, yeah. in terms of investors and, and engineering talent. So so that's why we moved it to Seattle. That's great. Yeah. Um, and I know he's gone on to be, you know, a great entrepreneur. Yes. And a great uh, yeah. community leader here, too. So um, are you better at kind of ideas and creation or selling? Um, I think they go hand in hand. Like, um, you've really got to be able to craft a great, like, mission. And that's part of telling the story. Like, why did you start the company? Why mm -hmm. does it matter? You know, why Why should other people care? You know, why should an uh, investor want to put a single dollar into this? Mm -hmm. Why should someone leave Amazon or Google or some nice engineering shop and join you at a startup that has a ton of risk associated? But that's all, that's all selling, everything you've said it, so far. It is selling, but it also requires being able to create a, a um, compelling story or reason why. Yeah, they need to join. So, um, I don't. Yeah, I think they go hand in hand. If I, I, I'm, I would have a hard time selling if I didn't feel like there was a good, like something to sell, sto story to sell. Yeah, something yeah, you felt proud of. Belief. And are yeah. you a strong operator? Um, I op I have operated, and so uh, I would say. Um, I know what to do. It's mm -hmm. not my passion, though. Yeah. Uh, I, I know what to do, if, uh, how to prioritize, how to make sure that I get things done. How do I control the business? How do I run the business? How do I make sure we, we hit KPIs? Like, I know how to operate a business. Mm -hmm. um, I get a lot more passionate and excited about investing in entrepreneurs that are doing that now. Yeah. Uh, tell me about net conversions. So you, you started to say that you heard the professor talk about it. Did he yeah. have any role whatsoever, or he just handed it over. Yeah, so he was an advisor. So oh, he became so an yeah, advisor. Yeah, okay. yeah, and yeah. what was the company exactly? So so originally we started the company um, by using his research to be able to track how users were moving through an e-commerce website. Oh, and, okay, cool. And based on their behavior, we could actually pr provide a percentage that they would actually complete a transaction. Oh, okay. so, so it's like predictive analytics around Yeah, predictive analytics okay. and the ability to kind of uh, provide um, incentives for for users to be able to to um, complete a transaction. Well, that was early because nowadays yeah. I feel like, you know, I'm hovering and then I leave and then they come back and right, like, right, right. and a couple of people are like, "No, you should do that every time because then you get better and better deals." <laughs> right, like, right, never right, right. actually buy it right then and there. That's right. That's right. Because you'll get an email like, "Come yeah. back 15% yeah. if you buy it by Friday." Right, right. So, yeah. that that was ahead of its time. Yeah, in fact, um that's a great point. We, when we started the company and we went to go fundraise, we actually had interest from e-commerce companies that said they actually signed papers that said we would buy this product if you built it oh yeah and so so we were able to raise money we built it and nobody bought it nobody bought yeah, it. yeah 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 it was ahead of its time and so um you fast forward uh i mean next yeah. today i'm yeah. sure there's tons of companies with that idea oh absolutely yeah, yeah it's yeah. very relevant right right they're most scared because they felt like they didn't want to discriminate based on behavior on a website and and you know customer huh. a getting a price of twenty dollars and customer b getting a price of ten dollars interesting but didn't you but didn't you end up um selling the company 2004 so we ended up selling the company yeah so so if i fast forward was a little it bit valuable? yeah yeah it was it turned out turned out to be a really really great um outcome um so when nobody bought it we ended up um uh, realizing that we needed to focus on sales, mm. and so, so um, uh, I went to the the local Barnes and Noble store uh, when they still existed, and bought every book I could find on cold calling. Oh, and so, tell us what to do. Yeah, <laughs> what'd you right. learn, Andy? Give us the wisdom. Oh, um, basically, the the 
what I needed to do is just spend more time talking to customers, getting them on the phone and focusing on, hey, how do we actually um, get some sales in the door? And what we realized after actually talking to customers, which is probably one of the most important things to do, was that our product was just too complex. And so we actually uh, made our product dumber, per se, and, and basically just provided analytics. And that's what people wanted to buy. And so we were able to get American Express, then it was Citigroup, then it was ESPN, Those then are it was huge AOL. Ones. Yeah. And, and did you uh, do that selling? Uh, both David and I did. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, so basically. Barnes and Noble books yeah. came in handy. <laughs> That's right. I mean, how to cold call into Amex? Like, yeah. Where yeah. do you even begin? Oh, uh, like in those yeah. companies, it's more to me because I do a lot of biz dev, but it's yeah. like sometimes I lose interest in trying to figure out who to yeah. call. I'm right. like, ugh. That's right. This company's so big, I don't even know where to begin. Yeah. And it's uh, honestly, we learned that it was a numbers game. So you just, we just had to call a lot of companies and hope that some of them moved into the right, yeah. right direction. And we catch yeah. them at the right time. We catch them at the right bu- budget cycle. Yeah. Catch someone who's willing to champion us. Um, yeah. I like that. That's so, a really yeah. good lesson. And I think that um, there's so much that we obviously both want for our kids. But it would be great if our kids knew how to put themselves out there, how to reach out to others, and how to sell a story. That's right. Because that's a great skill. It is. And there's actually a a TED Talk folks may may or may not be aware of. It was like one person's entire goal was to try to get to a 1,000 no's. And the the outcome— just, just, just asking crazy, oh. crazy asks of anybody. Okay. Like, hey, going to uh, McDonald's and say, hey, can I get a free Big Mac? Yeah. But, and just, just learning that, hey, it's okay to get rejected. It's interesting. So I want to know. Do you remember the name the, of it? Uh, I think you could look it up, but but um, it was really interesting. The takeaways he's got. He's like has no fear of rejection now. Yeah. And a lot of times that's that's part part sales is like one rejection is a. You're one call closer to a yes. And yeah. so so yeah. just keep at it. Yeah. yeah. Well that's why it sounds like uh you like grit. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> that's not that's not uh a surprise. And so you sold the company and then you and David took a little break, hopefully. Yeah, so we sold it to uh, a Quantive and we stayed on there for the for for most of the year out. And then and then um we wanted us to uh travel the world for a year. And uh, made you it. You were single back then. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's nice. Like to... a backpacking situation. Yeah, we made it down to Peru and went to the Machu Picchu and had some beers up there and got excited about a uh, business in TV and um, I got so excited we actually um, Cut the canceled trip. the rest of the trip. Went back to Seattle and started the company. How far into the trip were you when you did that? Thirty days. Oh, oh my God. How long were you going to take? Oh, one year. Yeah, that was the plan. Yeah, that was the plan. Yeah. And now you got kids. That's right. Now you got the ball and chain. (laughs) That's right. Too late. That's right. If I had to do it over again, Shauna, I would have have taken the full full year. You know, the grass is always greener. Like when you're. When you're taking a break, you're like, oh, man, I can't wait to get back in the saddle. And yeah. then when you're in the saddle, you're like, oh, I can't wait till this no, thing sells. Course, and then when you're when you're working for the man, you're like, oh, I can't wait till I've, you know, broken away from this and I'm, you know, back on vacation mode. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. That's, that's so funny. <laughs> 30 days. Okay. So then you knew what you were doing. Yep.-ish. Yeah. Just the two of you were the co-founders? Yes. And um, tell us exactly what Buddy TV, I love that name. How'd you find that name? 
Uh, it was available. Buddy yeah. TV. <laughs> right, right. Just, I mean, I love that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. There was no, we didn't hire anybody. It was just like, you know, what what can we find uh, that was available on, on, I think at that time it was probably GoDaddy or one of those yeah. other I don't think GoDaddy sites. was around back then. Maybe, maybe it wasn't them. Um, yeah. Okay, so you're in like Machu Picchu, you get excited, you buy yeah. a trip back to Seattle. And so how far, how fully baked was the idea by the time you got back? So so I will say the idea changed a bit, but the original um, idea was, hey, people have, have been, um, people haven't changed in terms of watching TV in the last 50 years, but when they're watching TV, their behavior has changed dramatically. And so at that point in time, there are, there are folks that were watching TV with their laptops open. They were doing homework while so the TV was on. Multitasking. Yeah. That was kind of the, the phenomenon that... Um, Versus we, like a Saturday night, oh my gosh, love boats on, everybody stops. Stops. Get yeah, the TV yeah, yeah, dinner yeah, that's out. That's right. That's right. Everybody's watching the same yes. time. And so our thought was there's an opportunity to actually uh, bridge what's called a second screen with the TV. And so that was the, the hypothesis was, hey, could we actually create an experience on a laptop um, that would actually have the TV experience and kind of a interactive social experience on top of that? And so our first... Um, jab at the product was um, we actually signed up some TV shows where the actors would actually provide commentary as the TV show was going on and provide this kind of community feature. Which TV shows? Well, we did, so the, some of these are are so far back. Like um, there was there is a sci-fi show called like the Ten Thousand or something. Um, we there's there's a bunch of shows that we did that that were 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 pretty interesting and so yeah. and some of the award shows we'd have some of the stars That's so come cool. on yeah 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 um, but we realized again pretty quickly that um, it wasn't uh, it was challenging to get a lot of people on at the same time yeah and so um, the quick learning there was was that we found that even though we couldn't aggregate the audience. We, we tried this thing called transcripting, and we actually transcribed the entire experience and put it on on um, on text. And then we had actually published that text, and that went super viral. So we were like, oh. The text the of the show? Of the, of the, um, uh, the, the comment, uh, commentary. The commentary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So we'd get a lot more people reading the commentary after the show than during the show. And so, um, so that became kind of the the genesis of BuddyTV.com, which became the largest kind of independently held TV community, where people came and talked about shows, interacted with each other, played games, um, uh, shared photos, did, did all kinds of stuff on Buddy TV. Yeah. And what was the business model like? How did the company make money? So. Um, our first iteration of BuddyTV.com was all advertising. So it was, ah. it was a media-driven company. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. And then that had also a successful exit. Yes. Yeah. Do you ever miss being – I mean, you've said that you prefer to invest in other entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, and you've had a lot of success doing that. I know you spent some time as an angel investor. Mm -hmm. And um, what made you decide to raise a fund and become a venture company? Which, yeah. Which you decide to do that? So, so I met some friends of mine that actually did angel investing during my first company, and I was always intrigued by it. So, so I decided to kind of dip my toes in mm -hmm. to go back and, to Barnes and Noble. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> How to invest in a company? That's right. That's right. Actually, I would say it was a little bit even more naive than that. So, I probably should have read some books, but it ended up being like, hey, you go to a, a party and you end up 
chatting with an angel investor and like, oh, I'm very excited about X company. And uh, I'm like, oh, I'd love to learn how to do that. And so uh, you just kind of write a check and then hope and pray that it turns out to be okay. Did and it so, ever work? Uh, surprisingly, like I caught the bug because it worked a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. You're a gambler. I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I prefer to call it investing than gambling, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, yeah. So I ended up doing about 95 angel deals over about 10 years and, um, um, had, not only did I feel like, um, I got a lot of energy out of it, you know, I feel like surrounding myself with entrepreneurs, I just feel like I get smarter and I get more optimistic. There's just a lot of, a lot of high, um, great energy that comes from it. I also, um, was able to do really well financially on it. So, so it made sense, you know, after, after finishing up the second startup to find out, Hey, can we actually start a fund and make this a more of an institution and do it full time? Mm -hmm. And so, um, and so we started that in seven, late 17 and, um, and I, I feel like I'm really doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So it's been a ton of fun. Well, you're good at it. And so how do you come across deal flow? Uh, right now, um, because we've I've invested a lot as an angel, and my, I have two other partners, one in San Francisco and one in L.A., that have also done a lot of angel investing. We get a fair amount of deal flow just directly to us. But I would say um, our entrepreneurs that we've invested in, a uh, great source of deal flow, are um, LPs that are basically investors in our fund, also uh, provide really great deal flow. And then um, and then obviously our personal connections uh, mm-hmm. around town. And we, we also are doing a lot of entrepreneurial events around town. So we try to use that as a way to kind of make sure that people know that we're here and, and that if they're thinking about starting an early stage tech company in Seattle and L.A., that mm-hmm. we are definitely somebody that they should reach out to. And is there a certain type of company that you invest in and at what stage? It's early stage. So like seed round? Yeah. So so pre-seed will go as, as early as that, which uh, today's parlance, it's probably something where you have a team, you have an idea, you may even have a few, um, you know, an early demo, but that's about it mm-hmm. uh, to a seed level company where, you know, you actually have some customers, you have some traction on revenue and so forth. So those are, those are kind of the areas stage that we would invest in. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really like um, companies that have entrepreneurs are extremely passionate about what they do, but also uh, attacking a large market and have some sort of data connection for what they're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't mean to put down my mom or your mom, but like if right. they're listening, like when you say data connection, doesn't every company now have some sort of data connection? Yeah, yeah. So, so um, to dive in a little bit deeper, I can use an example. Like, like we we invest in a company called Possible Finance, and um, they're trying to trying to revolutionize kind of financial wellness, specifically uh, with payday loans to start. And payday loans are traditionally um, these shops that are on uh, every corner in in the U.S. providing kind of high interest loans. Um, we are using data to be able to provide underwriting based on transactional data. So we don't need to have a W-2. We don't need to have um, credit history, but we can use transactional history to be able to underwrite very, very quickly and provide a much uh, more um, much better loan for, for a user. And so that's leveraging data in, a, in such a way that gives you an advantage in building a company. And also we think long-term, uh, data can also be a moat for a company too. So it's mm-hmm. very, very difficult for a competitor to come in because you've built such great knowledge about that specific industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so only, is it limited to companies that would own that data? 
Yeah, either so two, either they own primary data, mm-hmm. or two, they have a really unique lens of uh, on leveraging data, and so they may have access to third party data, but they've got a really unique way of being able to analyze it mm-hmm. uh, that gives them an, an advantage. Got it. And yeah. what if they come back to you and they're now raising an A, B, and they just want you because you've been such a great partner for them? Yeah. Do you have? Do you just then refer that out, or how does that business work for people who might not know? Yeah. So, so if if we're not already an existing investor and they're already further along, then then we would refer them to other partners mm-hmm. that, that 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 we like. And, and what so, if you are in? And if they want we you back in. Yeah. If they are in, we definitely would want to try to participate if it's one that we have strong conviction on. And so, um, so we usually rever- reserve half of our fund to do follow-ons. And so, okay. yeah, yeah. So we definitely want to be investing in our on our in our best companies. Mm-hmm. What should entrepreneurs be looking for on how to select an investor? Yeah, that's such a great question because I think um, probably— Some people just get excited. They're like, oh, money? Yeah. Done. Yeah, that's right. And they're right. not thinking right. like, is, do I actually want to be in business with this person? Are they going right. to bring any that's value? Right. Yeah. For a first-time entrepreneur, that's exactly the gut reaction. It's like anybody who's willing to give me money, I'm willing to take Uncle Bob to you know, uh, angel investor or friends and family. Uh, End of, the, end of the day, not all money is created equal. I'd say there's three types of money that you can get. One is kind of um, what I call strategic money. These are folks who write the check, but they're very accessible. Like you want to text them for, for an intro. You're like, hey, I'd love to sit down for coffee and do a strategy session. They're very accessible. They open up their Rolodex. They're, they are high value mm-hmm. uh, investors. And do those, do those – uh... Have a board seat usually? No, not necessarily. Oh, okay, yeah. so just strategic, yeah. great partners. Yeah, great okay. partners. Um, and the way that I would check up on that is I would actually do diligence on that investor. So mm-hmm. call some of their portfolio companies, ask them, hey, how helpful was this investor in, mm-hmm. in your company? Um, the second type of investors, I, I would say, kind of like passive. They're just writing their check and then they, they, they forget about it. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually not bad. Um, because well, it's they, nice that they're not harassing you. They're not harassing you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not asking for updates. Uh, they're not they're trying not to come like, in and, yeah, and influence. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, and then there's a third class of investors, which um, is the you've got to make sure you avoid because um, it's like a marriage. You can't get rid of an investor. And so there are what I would call negative value investors. It's even worse investors. than a marriage. You can that's, get rid of it. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> it's like a marriage with kids. That's right. That's right. So, a divorce with kids. Yeah. 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 So, so I have seen multiple deals where by having the wrong investors in there, it actually tanked the company. And so it's really, really important not to have that third class of investors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's stuff that you've learned along the way through being an investor. But it sounds like you also had a good experience as an entrepreneur with right. picking good investors. Yeah, yeah. Are there other learnings from being an entrepreneur that you could teach before we get more into the investing side? Because um, I'm assuming, you know, I don't even know who's listening to these podcasts, right, right. but sometimes it's other <laughs> yeah. entrepreneurs. I don't right, know how right. many investors, but um, people in the tech world, I yeah. think, sometimes listen. And so um, what were kind of some of the teachable moments from Buddy TV and Net Conversions as far as like, oh, I wish someone had told me? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would say one area, and this is pretty tactical, is – is um, most first-time entrepreneurs, I, I, I've also heard this from other entrepreneurs as well, first-time folks will, will spend the majority of their time building product. Um, 
Whereas I would say second-time entrepreneurs and folks that have done this for a while are always going to figure out what their edge is in terms of customer acquisition or distribution. Mm -hmm. And that is more important than product. And so I, if I had to flip the equation, it would be spend a lot, build a great product, but spend even more time on distribution and customer acquisition. Okay. Uh, because ultimately, that's what's going to put you in kind of this... Uh, venture venture track that's going to mm. be very attractive for uh, investors at the A, at the B, at the C. You may be able to get a get away with you know pre seed and seed with with a nice product, but you got to figure out that uh, you got to get sales. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, what if you're selling something and the product isn't quite right, and then the customer doesn't re up? Isn't that look worse to an investor? Like, wait, you had these customers, now you don't. They didn't see value in your product. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying build a build a crappy product, <laughs> but but definitely in terms of like uh, the time uh, the time spent really figuring out unit, unit economics needs to be larger than the product itself. Mm -hmm. So that that's the amount of discipline it takes to kind of make these things really work and gets uh, kind of the next round of investors really excited is that you really have this kind of unique engine where you can pour gas on it and you know that sales is going to grow. Mm -hmm. So you do need to have a baseline of a product that actually works. But if you had to compare company A, which may have, let's say, a 10 out of 10 on product, but two out of 10 on distribution, or a company that's like seven or eight out of 10 on the product, maybe not as refined. Mm -hmm. Well, because you can continue to improve the product. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But has this kind of unique engine that they've got uh, a distribution partner that can get this out to thousands of, of users uh, at a very, very low cost. I'd much rather buy into that company than the than the former. Mm -hmm. So um, so that would be one learning would be kind of kind of making sure that the KPIs are set that that um, you understand CAC as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. um, probably the second piece is um, I'm very, very keen on figuring out how good is the entrepreneur at attracting great talent. And so um, that that can be done pretty quickly, like you know, in the first couple of meetings when I'm when I'm meeting with uh, the team, uh, the management mm -hmm. team. What types of traits are you looking for? Um, like, hey, do they hire somebody that's um, that's capable of you know leading the company potentially? That, and so I'm looking at senior team. You know, are 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 they hiring folks that? Wow, you know, they're not going to be able to to do it on their own. Uh, their understanding of the market is pretty pretty shallow. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really looking for like, hey, did they did they uh, hire the best that they could? Mm -hmm. And is that person as strong or if not better than the CEO? If they have, I'm I'm very very bullish on the company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what about um, traits like self awareness? Yeah. Yeah. Is that important to you, or like so, ability to give them feedback? Like if you want to give them feedback, yeah. that they're not going to be. Like, hey, I know what I'm doing. I don't need your feedback. Right. I, I, I absolutely think that that's a critical trait. The, the thing that's interesting about pre-seed and seed investing is we just don't have that much information on the company. Mm -hmm. So really where we actually have an edge in investing is how good are we at identifying talent at the CEO level, uh, mm -hmm. CEO level and, and their co-founders? And self-awareness is one that's really, really important because if you're not self-aware, you can go down a, a rabbit hole that will that you'll never be able to get out of. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, are you surrounding yourself with folks that are, are um, very thoughtful in their advice to you? Are you able to, to take um, 
conflicting advice and be able to synthesize it and make make a good decision. I like that. That's um, a good point. Yeah. Um, are you know how how well do you respond to to conflict? How well do you respond to bad news? How well do you respond to no money in the bank? Like all those kinds of things are and so and important. how and the people who are you surrounding yourself with because yeah. they might be fine, but their spouse might be like, yo, you need to, to get a job. <laughs> totally, and that's one that I think um, is probably undervalued in terms of of uh, analysis at this point, which yeah. is what's the blow-up risk here yeah. that are we look out of that, your control? Yeah. yeah. We yeah. look at that as recruiters because yeah. that's the worst because you're like, we've already done all the work. Right. The client loves us. We yeah. love the candidate. The candidate loves the job. And then the candidate might turn it down for things that are just, you get caught off guard, like blind spots. And it could yeah. be something like, you know, my husband is not interested in me taking a startup role yeah. right now. Right. And, um, and they weren't even aware of how much that would influence them at decision time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, just life, yeah. you know, outside of work. Absolutely. And so I think that it's important to treat everybody kind of in a, this holistic way of like all of you, not yep. just you who I'm seeing in a in a coffee meeting to talk about your business, but like what your drivers are, what your values are, yep. what your spouse thinks. That's right. That's right. Um, which I think is definitely something that's easy to overlook. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so what role are you playing right now? Like, how do you spend your time? Uh, so right now, um, you know, I would say there's probably three areas that we focus on. One is sourcing deals. So we always want to make sure we're getting access to the best mm-hmm. uh, and the brightest entrepreneurs out there. So so definitely sourcing deals. Um, I spend a lot of time sitting on boards. And so so mm-hmm. it's it's how are we actually helping our portfolio companies? We have 15 right now. And so that's a, that's that's a heavy load. That yeah, is yeah, a yeah, heavy yeah. load. So so what what are the one or two things? Do you take the board seat on all of them? Uh, Not you personally, but your company. No, we we if we lead the deal, we definitely take a board seat. So um, so I'm on four right now out of the fifteen. That's a lot. So yeah, and what does that role um, entail? Yeah, being on being on a board of a startup. a couple of things. One, one is is obviously the, the the role of the board is really to keep the CEO accountable, and so so you really want to make sure that everybody on the board is aligned. Hey, what are the milestones that we want to get to? Are we financed properly? Are we making right decisions strategically? I, the last thing I want to do is spend any time kind of like, hey, you need to make this button orange or red. Like we don't get into the nitty gritty of the business, but we really do want to make sure that the budget's set right. Uh, financing strategy is set right. The CEO goals are set right. We're giving good feedback to the CEO. Those are some of the m- mm-hmm. major things that uh, we do as a board. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do CEOs prepare for board meetings? Yeah. Um, the best CEOs, I think, um, um, prep the board prior to the meeting. So yeah, usually, Like any board. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Right? You're like, yeah. I don't want to come in and spend the first 20 minutes trying to get up to speed. That's right. That's right. And so I would say a lot of the prep is is making sure all the reporting is already set in a, ahead of time. And so so I can make marks on questions I might have in terms of you know anything that kind of stands out to me. Um, and then what are the kind of two or three topics? Sometimes it's just one, but what are the topics that we really need to dive into? And one of the litmus test is what's keeping up the CEO at night, you know? So, so let's make sure we tackle those, tackle those problems, um, and go deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then probably the last piece is just, you, you know, I think healthy boards are able to just give CEOs good feedback. Yeah. So I had yeah. an entrepreneur on here on the podcast that said, um, for her kind of picking a board member or an investor is sometimes linked to like how you feel when you see their name come across your phone. 
Ah, right. Like, what yeah. does your stomach do? Is it like panic? Or right. do you get excited because you're going to get a productive phone call and yeah. you're going to get great advice yes. and you're going to be energized by it? Yeah. Or are you going to be like this feeling of like, I'm getting called to the principal's office and right. I'm going to get a, a hand slap? Yeah. And I thought that that's, that was awesome. Yeah. It's so true. It's like, at the end of the day, it's just another human being. And that's like, right. how are we going to treat each other? That's right. That's right. Um, exactly. I think that that's... That's great. That's a great litmus test. I'm going to remember that. That's a good one. You got to write that. You got to write that one down. And so, how do you um, stay informed, just in life, about like um, what's going on in the tech world, where where the trends are, how you can stay ahead of your competition? Yeah. um, uh, You can't say too much because your competition might be listening. (laughs) Just kidding. No, that's a good question. I, you know, I, I I actually, you know, one litmus test too is like, you know, what do you do in your spare time? Like, Mm -hmm. I actually just really enjoy. Um, reading up on what's what trends are happening. I like um, my wife probably doesn't like it, but I like buying every gadget I can find and mm. playing with it. It's what's like the a latest toy. gadget? Uh, you know, I I got the, got the Pixel Three A just to play with it, which is the new Google phone. Um, you know, I got the Aura Ring. I've got a few other you know devices. I know you coming. love your Aura Ring. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and the Pixel. I'm excited to hear your update on that. Yeah. Well, yeah. you also told me about the um, podcast. Not the podcast. The um, I downloaded it. Of course, I'm paying for it, and I barely use it. But the, oh, um, masterclass, masterclass. Yeah, I did yeah, some yeah. cooking classes on oh, there. Good. But I yeah. thought that was pretty cool. It is. It's it's great, and I love like learning from um, folks that are outside of, of tech and outside yeah. of uh, business and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. I think you can learn a lot from watching an acting class. You oh, can for watch, sure. uh, Learn a lot from, you know, uh, they they have photography, storytelling, like all kinds of really interesting authors are great. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So those those are all things. Like, I'm just naturally curious, and so it's I think super that's a fun. nice um, attribute of also an entrepreneur. Um, and how closely do you pay attention to, like, politics and stuff like that? Not that we're going to get into that on this, yeah, but I'm just curious. Um, uh, I've, I've found that, that uh, especially most recently, I think um, – uh, it's been eating up quite a bit of my time on on the national side, and so so I've been trying to wean myself off of watching those headlines because yeah. I can just it's like, so depressing. Yeah, yeah. Emotionally, it, it's not good for me. Yeah, and, and, and it's not like uh, it's that impactful. And so I'm trying to trying to bring it actually more to civic stuff. And so yeah. if I if I need to have a little bit of a bite of politics, I, I like to look at hey, what's what can we do locally because that's mm-hmm. the most impact. That I can have. So there's um, so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty uh, crazy here in Seattle. Yeah. And so um, I know that you and Diana have two, two boys. Kids, yeah, two yeah. boys. How old are they now? Two and four. Two and four. So yeah. that's obviously got to keep you busy. And it is. what do you, um, how has your life changed since becoming a dad? Uh, it's changed, <laughs> changed a ton. <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess we're not going to the clubs in New York. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or maybe we are. <laughs> right, 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 right. We, uh, we definitely are not eating out as much, you know, yeah. but doing a lot more kid, kid activities. My weekends have changed dramatically, you know, mm-hmm. I think I went to two or three birthday parties this last weekend. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do you think you'll raise them as far as, um, what's similar or different than how you were raised? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think we are in this phase of trying lots of activities and trying to figure out like what, what sticks. Yeah, what what yeah. what what they're excited about and what sticks. And I suspect that we're not going to know for another. Yeah, they're so little. Another few years, but they're you know they're doing a little bit of gym, a little bit of Spanish, a little bit of this, a little that's bit of great. that. So yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm a big fan of just like let it rip. Yeah, let it yeah. see where it takes you and. 
Absolutely. What they're interested in. Yep. And I would say probably the the one thing that Diane and I are pretty aligned on is this notion of like, hey, can we instill more of the EQ side? Like IQ is fine. Like, hey, just have good habits. Here's how you here's how you study and stay disciplined and so forth. But that that stuff can be can be more or less taught. But what can we what can we do as 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 parents to like you know teach uh, like empathy empathy and, empathy yeah. yeah being able to communicate um, you know like share be th- be thoughtful be kind be gentle be mm-hmm. you know respectful like all those things like that that's really what's gonna I think make um, them unique kind of moving forward because I yeah. think the challenge now is that technology has has made that a lot. L- lot less um, of a focus. And so also, it sounds like you were also driven out of need because your Mm -hmm. parents needed you to contribute to the household. Mm -hmm. And you've had success, financial success that might be different than how you were raised. Mm -hmm. How are you going to keep your kids humble? Yeah, Um, that's that's a great question. It's a philosophical one that we're dealing with, which is, hey, I think money is is more of a, it's almost like a, uh, it's a symptom. It's not a root cause like if you can distill values then money is kind of a i think the the right word is it's kind of an amplifier Mm. and so so like if you truly are a generous person and you do care about others you have respect for others like money is just going to allow you to do that in a much more meaningful way Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas if you're very uh, self-absorbed you're not Mm self-aware imagine what money can do to that person like all of a sudden like like we're talking crazy yeah, and crazy so, town. So, and so, your kids get yeah. to watch you. That's and so right. They That's learn right. so much more from watching you. And so what type of impact are you and Diana trying to have as far as giving back? I know that um, we talked about the nonprofit, and I want to hear a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but are there other causes that are kind of near and dear to you that you hope to kind of try to move the needle on? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's also kind of um, bleeds into to our investment philosophy, too, at, at, at Unlock, because we feel like... Um, there's enough VCs out there that are kind of going for, hey, number one goal is returns and unicorns and so forth. Like, it is important. Like, that's how we actually build something that's sustainable and we got to return money to our LPs. But I think that there's something that goes beyond that in terms of like, hey, what is what is the company's purpose? Like, is there something that's yeah. innate about that company that has a mission attached to it? Because that mission will make the company more successful in attracting talent. For sure. Um, it's going to make uh, uh, a lot easier for the company to handle downtimes t- down when they say, hey, you know what? We're doing this because we're actually doing something that's bigger than us. Justice kind of, yeah. and, and, and helping those who have less than us and yeah. so forth. And so um, so I think that you know our, our philosophies are at least – our belief is that we've been given quite a bit in terms of being, I mean, totally blessed to be born in this country and education and and capital resources and so forth. That um, to be able to give back and uh, to those who have uh, have less, like, hey, can we can we provide an opportunity in terms of education, in terms of of, of jobs, in terms of mm-hmm. of. Um, so how are you doing that? Um, so, so you know, one one example is with Future Hope, we're we're looking at at places where you know people are making less than two dollars a day and offering a technology training program and leadership training program um, to be able to bridge the gap mm-hmm. into um, getting a um, a much higher paying job and being able to provide for their families. Because That's at really the end, cool. yeah, at the end of the day, like. Um, you know, many folks can't handle uh, an emergency, and so 
So being able to have the right skill set and so forth yeah. and bridge that gap is is, um, is is an awesome opportunity. It's also very, very um, uh, inspiring to Oh, I'm to sure. Watch. And so where is that? Where is it located? El Salvador. El Salvador. Yeah. And how did you come up with that? Um, we um, – when I, when I had opportunities to take uh, – a couple weeks off, um, uh, you know, for vacation <laughs> that, or what yeah. have you. Uh, I always wanted to go to go visit um, more non-traveled, you know, non the world like, less traveled, the world yeah. less traveled. You know, hang out with people who are actually working in NGOs and yeah, uh, those those are inspiring. They're fun. I, I learned a lot, um, and and uh, after traveling to quite a few countries, was pulled by. El Salvador, because, you know, I'm, I'm not medically trained and so forth. So like, you know, what can we do to give back? Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and there was a few of us geeks that were like, who hey. are, who, so you did it with others. Yeah. Yeah. That's we did really it with others. Cool. And so, so we were like, Hey, why don't we see if we can't, um, and at that point, like, uh, Technology was getting very cheap, so it's very easy to put down computers. The, the curriculum was very cheap. It's it's actually pretty cheap to hire a teacher. Like we could get That's a program so up cool. and running, and so so that was the beginnings of it. And where did what when did you start it? That was about ten years ago. And where is it now? Like, do you have people that have? gone through this. Yeah, and... we've had we've had uh multiple graduates uh That's so uh, cool. And, Andy, and, I love yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So so we're fine. You should up. feel yeah. great about that. That's that's tangible. Yeah, yeah. Measurable yeah. impact. Yeah. I and mean, that's incredible. Yeah. 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 I love it. And so this is my question I ask everyone at the end. Yeah. Is what fuels you? So, so I would say a few things fuel me. I, one is community. So I love hanging out with entrepreneurs like yourself, and you know we're part of EO. Like that sort of thing is 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 uh, you, you, the people you hang out with. I think provide a ton of fuel. So mm -hmm. so I would say that that would definitely be one. I think um, I've been very fortunate with a family that's actually supportive. Um, you know, it's not easy uh, being course. an entrepreneur, and you're yeah. gone fair amount, and yeah. and, um, and Diana's taking one for the team. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that makes a huge difference, and uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm able to spend um, hours. I feel like are, are productive. Um, I'm also fueled, I think, a lot by um, um, kind of the. Maybe not as much as you, but but definitely kind of morning habits as well. So, hey, how do I start? Not as the... much as me at yeah. all. Are you yeah, kidding? Yeah. I, I mean, am you're not. doing you're doing seven minutes Dude. times three. No, you're doing only like when all I'm with these you, things. just <laughs> to try to show off for right. you. I love that you're like. No, I want to be more of a morning habit. This morning I was snooze. Oh, okay. Snooze and Instagram. Oh, nice. That was my morning habit. Nice, nice. And then my yeah. calm came up, and I hit. Uh, that's news. the part I'm going to be working on next meditation. is meditation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, no. hey, diet, a little bit of exercise. Are you still doing yeah. the intermittent fasting? I am. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, I can't yeah. do that. Yeah. I tried. Yeah. I'm so hungry. Eight, eight hours a day of eating. Yeah. That's it. You're, yeah. You're, you are an anomaly. And um, I know that you know this because people tell you this. But for people who haven't met you, and I don't want <laughs> – you are um, – there's something about you that is like the wise one. Like you really oh, are. That. that that's how I see you. You're the person who I trust. Um, not the only person. But, yeah. But you are a person that's very. Um, I don't know. I just trust you. I believe you, and um, I think you've got a great head on your shoulders, and you're humble. And uh, I'm just super psyched that we've become friends. Same here. Yeah. Same here. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm super excited about um, what you're doing with Fuel too. The the podcasts have been amazing. So oh, I feel honored to it's be here. It's been fun. Yeah. 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 It's been fun. I'm I'm getting to yeah. know people better, so it's great. Okay. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the What Fuels You podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and follow us on social media to keep up with the latest news and episodes. You can also contact us at podcast at fueltalent.com to provide feedback, ask questions, and share topics or guests you would like us to cover in the future. We hope you feel inspired by our guests and that we have helped fuel your day. Join us next time for another episode of What Fuels You.